0: Hi, everyone, I'm Deborah Kahn, founder of Being Patient. Um, and part of our initiative is we're trying to bring practical advice to you all, um, people impacted by dementia. So today, we thought we would con- conquer um, how, you sh- how one can make modifications um, in their home in order to accommodate dementia. So joining me is Grant Warner. He is a design consultant who deals specifically advising care facilities on um, how important design is uh, in the care for dementia patients. Thanks for- so much for joining us, Grant. Thanks for having me. So let's just start first um, with, I mean, obviously um, we're talking about a later phase of dementia. If we're talking about a care facility, I mean, you know, when someone's diagnosed with dementia, they can live normally for years. Um, and But there comes a time where you have to consider the environment and making specific modifications uh, in order to accommodate um, for the progression of, of the disease. Just give us a little bit of um, an overview of what people should be thinking about and really at what time.
1: Well, in a single family home environment, the the most critical location, the most critical room from a life safety standpoint to to protect your loved one is the kitchen. And so there are lots of things we can do to make kitchens safer. Um, Sometimes folks suffering from dementia may leave a stove on. Uh, for hours at a time, it can burn something. It can start. Uh, it fill the house with smoke. It can obviously start fires. So, from a life safety standpoint, there's technologies out there. Appliances themselves are getting smarter. Some of them have smart technology, smart functions that will that will sense that a stove has been. Uh, let's, let's take a stove, for example, has been left on, and will turn itself off. There are uh, other products like Guardian makes what they call a Guardian fire suppression system, a Guardian 3. Uh, it's the model number is 300B where you can put it into the cabinet above the microwave or cabinet above a stove, and it has its own isolated uh, single-purpose fire suppression system that can also sense the same problem for, for an older stove if you don't have the funds to replace a range with a smart appliance. And that, that device will sit there and wait and can sense if there's a grease fire or something like that that, that maybe is left from a stove being left on too long. Another one um, is, it, although it's not a fire suppression system, there is one that can uh, that can alert you or alert um, first responders. It's called Fire Avert, and that's another one that can be retrofitted. And they have models that can accommodate both electric stoves and gas stoves. And then there are other models of products that can just simply turn the power off on a stove if you need something very basic. And sometimes people put those in if they know that they have a loved one that's particularly dangerous with stoves or keeps trying to cook when when they can't anymore. You can have, a, it's a master power throw switch that you can actually hide or you can secure with a key or you can put in a drawer um, to basically just cut the power off from that appliance. Um, so, there's other things like like shelving. If you can move things down in shelves so that, that the, so the resident or that the that your loved one is not so tempted to try to reach or climb up on a chair or climb up on a counter, just pull things down That's and make things easier to reach for them. And like my wife does, she puts my tostada chips in bags labeled kale, so I don't even pay attention to what's in <laughs> the shelf. And there are cabinet locks that you can put on. Some of them are even just magnetic. They're little magnetic hasps that you put on the inside of the lock. And with a simple magnet, you on the outside can lift that hasp from the outside without having to have a specialized key. Um, but it do, it can discourage someone who's maybe rummaging through shelves or rummaging through cabinets.
0: So you know we talked about um, earlier that you you consult mainly for care facilities um, with people with dementia. So obviously in those circumstances they're not really using the kitchen. Um, you know. Uh, so what is it that you have to keep in mind um, in terms of design to make a better environment for somebody with d-
1: dementia? we we do put kitchens in there for activities they can they can be for residents to participate uh, under supervision with uh, in the participation in making the meals maybe even cooking their favorite recipes so we want we want that stimulation so, so the small households we design even in larger communities do have residential kitchens kitchens within them and that's where we've learned about a lot of these these safety devices specifically these that can be put into single family homes instead of the big expensive commercial systems um, but we we try whenever we can to break um, larger communities down into smaller family-like groupings so that there's, it's not as overwhelming. There's not 100 people in the dining room. There may be 10 or 12 or 16 possibly at the most. And to make those households flexible so that as the residents' needs change over time or their stages progress through their whatever dementia it is that they may be suffering for, those households are flexible so they can, either be, they can either be reassigned for populations for the one-room schoolhouse type care model, for example, or a peer-to-peer care model, or both, depending on what's best for that resident population. So small-scale, family-sized family spaces, um, residential feel, residential finishes, residential lighting, lots of daylight. And then we also try in those environments to make sure there's no dead ends, that everything at least is a contiguous loop so that we don't have anyone panic if they get stuck in a dead end.
0: See, I I had heard that before. It's like uh, rounded, you know, circular environments are really good. Um, And presumably, I guess that's just for the pacing, like if going around and around, right, instead of coming to an end and not knowing which way to turn. That's right. But I mean, those are pretty serious modifications. But I guess if you're building a care facility that would work, um, Mm -hmm. you know, in a home, sometimes it would work, sometimes it wouldn't, I suppose.
1: That's right. In, in a home, there's simple things we can do like like in terms of color choices, for example, providing more contrast for a resident so they can see so they can see the toilet against the floor in contrast instead of a monochrome because right now monochrome in gray on gray on gray. That's not good for dementia. We want we want contrast between the toilet and the floor so they can see where it is, especially if they're having depth perception issues. They can see that we want we want color contrast between the toilet and the wall behind it. We want color contrast between grab bars. If you put grab bars in your home for your loved one and the wall so they can see where to grasp it. And then contrast in things like the vanity and the sink and the floor as well. And there are things we can do in the bathroom, too, to improve safety, like uh, add shades, pull down shades over mirrors if a resident or, or, or a loved one maybe sees their own reflection. But instead of seeing themselves, sees a stranger, we can hide those mirrors without having to take them off the wall.
0: So tell me a little bit about the lighting. You talked about daylight and, you know, maybe contrast. Um, What is it about the lighting that is so important?
1: One of the most important things is to make sure that that the the person suffering from dementia can maintain their circadian rhythms. One of the things you've probably noticed is people start to suffer from these types of of diseases is they may lose that ability to, to get quality sleep, REM sleep at night and then become more dependent, unfortunately, on medication, medication aids to sleep, which is bad for for their systems and things like that long-term. So we want to, with the daylight, keep that connection to the outside to help them see the transitions, hopefully gently, so we don't go through sundowning syndromes where there's a radical transformation between day and night. We want them to see that transition change. And then also there are lighting fixtures and lighting systems out there now that help ease those transitions and help help reinforce their circadian rhythms.
0: So um, in terms of, uh, you know, I think one of the things that you also do is is, um, uh, install monitoring systems. Is that right?
1: Sometimes there's a lot of controversy around those from from a privacy standpoint. So some of them are passive. Those are usually much more um, acceptable, especially to family members. Um, But then there there are some that are a lot more active. So some people think they're intrusive. Some people in some conditions may it may be necessary. So There's a lot of controversy around those monitoring systems, but there are a lot of them out there and they do all kinds of things.
0: So at what point do you think home modification i mean we have a um a steven um barbieri who's a, a member of our community and often um, appears on being patient he said he's not allowed to use a stove when he's home alone only allowed to use the microwave because it turns off and he finds his lunch in the microwave sometimes later because he forgot he you he, he forgot that uh, he had to reheat it again, right? And so, mm-hmm. a common cause. So I have to be I admit, Steve. I like uh, myself without dementia. I have made the same mistake as well. So, um, you know. So, and you know, here here is someone who is you know not not very far along, but there there is a in terms of the progression of the disease, but you know needs needs a reminder. Um, to to remind him um sometimes of what he's forgetting in the kitchen, right? So mm-hmm. what what do you usually recommend in terms of I mean I know you deal more with care facilities, but when should people start thinking about these things in the home?
1: It's really difficult to say. I, I personally have not gone through um the difficulty of caring for someone with dementia. I've only really observed it in a larger setting and 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 had a secondary role helping others. So I, I don't have any personal experience with it. I I don't know when is the best time, but there are resources out there. There are people that can help you make that decision and help um, folks with those resources. One of them is Oasis, www.oasisnet.org. Um, they have a lot of outreach classes. They have a lot of resources and checklists, and, and, uh, and um, they have support groups and things like that for people that are caring for folks that are that, that have dementia. And they would probably have a lot more insight into when these things need to be considered. Another is OHI. Oklahoma Healthy Aging Initiative they're based in Tulsa they're they're an offshoot they're they're an affiliated organization with OU University of Oklahoma they have a lot of resources and classes and things like that and hopefully for for all of your listeners there are resources like that in their communities those are just a few that happen to be uh, in some cities i hope that those resources are available uh, to, to everyone or in every city or hopefully someday will be available in every city I hope that maybe they could give you a better answer than I could, because I I don't know when to make some of these adjustments. I, I deal with life safety, hard construction environments and things like that. So I, I think in terms of renovation and what systems can be added, what safety features can be added, but I, I don't know the timing. So what are the to
0: top, the I mean, you mentioned the kitchen obviously, cause that's mm-hmm. one that could cause a lot of problems, but wh- where are the top main areas people should consider for, for safety?
1: Kitchens in- and bathrooms. Kitchens Bathrooms and- are one of mm-hmm, Those are probably the the highest um, the highest rates of incidents and injuries and unfortunately deaths in homes or in kitchens and bathrooms.
0: But uh, presumably the bathroom is just, is because of falling, right? It's the safe falling, mm-hmm. that's not necessarily even dementia, that's just old age in
1: some cases, right? It can be, it can also be burns. So we wanna make sure that you check your faucets, especially shower faucets and things like that to make sure they're equipped with scald protection. A lot of newer faucets that come on the market these days pretty much come with it, but in an older home with an older faucet, it may not have that scald protection. So if you can imagine someone who maybe has lost the sense of of, of feel along their skin, may not realize the water's too hot, or have slipped and fall,ed or moved to a wall and hit the hit the 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 faucet and turned it all the way to the hot water, the scald protection will prevent hot water from surging out of the fixture and burning someone. And so that's something you could very easily check with with your faucets, whether that be your kitchen faucet or your shower faucet or your vanity faucets.
0: Yeah, and Steve is also bringing up that um, Alexis timers help. I've heard we've heard this from you know quite a few people about Alexis being the reminder um, to mm-hmm. to set and 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 remind you to do something um, like whether it's
1: appliances or or what have you. Um another- there's some great apps out there that, that are that are being developed for Alexa, if they're not already available, that help uh, that help someone suffering from dementia. Remember what day it is. Remember if it's the morning or afternoon. Remember what season it is. This is the fall. and 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 most importantly, remember holidays and loved ones' birthdays, grandchildren's birthdays and things like that. There's some really neat apps out there that I've seen. I don't know how many are available yet or if they work on the Alexa platform yet. I'd like to look into that a little bit more. But those are always very helpful just to have that voice, have that reminder. And some of these apps and some of these devices now can be recorded in their own loved ones' voices, their own daughters' voices or grandchildren's voices.
0: We're just getting a comment as you're saying this. Um from um, Stacy Davis Jones, who's saying, you know, oh, and Alexa uh, is, you know, Alexa's amazing. Thankfully, got we got one in the middle of the pandemic. So when I got COVID, I was still able to talk to her and see her. Um, it was um, for sure so calming to know, right? So even just to 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 remain in contact with the person. Um, she also says that dementia clocks helped um, her mom, and her constant naps um, and monitoring system has been really helpful as well.
1: Mm-hmm. well yeah. When I mentioned the monitoring systems being controversial. For, for private homes, when, when loved ones are making those decisions, that's, that's not controversial. It's when we are making those decisions in larger format environments where we want to make sure the families are included and either approve or, or not approve the use of those kinds of devices.
0: Yeah. But in your private home,
1: it's up to you. You can do whatever you'd like to do, obviously. so.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, have you once you install, uh, I mean, once you plan the design for the care facility, I mean, what what types of um, feedback are you getting in terms of, you know, um, how helpful and in what way it is to to the people, uh, the residents?
1: We are constantly constantly checking in on how things go. We even do sleepovers in our communities where we stay and pretend to be residents for 24 hours and try to at least somewhat emulate and see what the experience is really like and hopefully then learn from that and see if anything can be changed immediately or if it needs to be applied to the next project. So we, we're we constantly checking in to see. We, we get all kinds of feedback. Uh, it, it, all, it all comes back to the care model. There's so many different, there's over 100 different types of dementia out there. And so um, we can't design every community to accommodate every dementia and every stage of those dementias. As you know, there's, there's six cognitive levels. And so we're designing at least for four, trying to at least design for four of them. Um, but, but what we do try to do is provide flexibility so that the care partners, the ones that are there and spending times with the loved ones, the ones who know the family members, the family members come in and work on the care plans with their, with their care partners and with the nurses can adapt that household to whatever those specific needs are for that in, for that individual population. And, and it's easier when we keep them in smaller groups. It'd be harder to adapt a, a community for 100 people. But if it's just 10 or 12, it's easier to kind of shuffle and get people together if they need to be in the same type of environment or if it's a peer-to-peer model where they, they help each other because they're at different stages of the cognitive levels of, of uh, perceptions.
0: So what does that look like with design if in the peer-to-peer uh, model?
1: In the peer-to-peer we want to make sure that um, they we we can turn certain systems on and off like those monitoring systems for example we may equip all the households let's let's take uh, cc young for example is is a community here in dallas that uh, they just built a building called the vista it's 10 stories tall and it has two small households per floor stacked up because it's a small site they had they had to go up they couldn't go out and so those pairs of households now are all fully equipped to do everything and anything that's necessary for any level of, of, of dementia on the, using the peer-to-peer model, but, some of the, but the systems that are not necessary for certain types of, of folks, folks maybe in stage three or stage two don't need or don't want, can be turned off or deactivated. Same thing with egress. Certain things are locked down. They can deactivate that and open things back up. They can lock down the 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 connections between the house, the two households on the floor, or they can open them up. So they have a lot of the systems already built in. It's just a matter then of plugging and playing, and mixing and matching based on what the staff see, and what the what the the loved ones of those family members come in and give them feedback about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, One thing I was wondering about is, you know, hallucinations are often um, a part of dementia. um, Whether you have Alzheimer's or a different type of. Dementia, Lewy body. Is there is there anything to keep in mind um, in terms of keeping people safe when when they're having hallucinations?
1: I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I I would defer to some of those care partners who actually have to deal with it. I, I, I can't I, even I imagine how difficult.
0: Design, it is. like is familiarity, or you know, I,
1: I, I oh. Know. oh yes, familiarity is always helpful. That's why some of our communities may look retro but that's on purpose because they're connecting with those longer term memories of what they remember environments or diners or cafes to be like in the forties, fifties and sixties. And of course that shifts as the aging population shifts decade after decade. So you're absolutely right. We want it to be familiar. It would appear we- Very calm, not a lot of busy patterns, not a lot of paisley, of course, with high contrast. We wanna keep it very, natural very soft uh, low contrast we don't want big transitions because if someone's panicking and and literally running away from a care partner they may perceive a dark spot in the floor or a transition between two types of floors as a hole or a step and they may fall even though it's flush because they're anticipating it stepping down or they may avoid it altogether because they see it as a hole in the floor we avoid highly reflective finishes like mirrors because those can cause Panic from some people if they if they're suddenly surprised by a mirror next to them where they it's the it's a reflection of themselves but they see a stranger because they they're looking for themselves at the age of 40 or 50 not themselves at the age of 80 or 90 and they don't recognize themselves um, and then the other thing we do to try to minimize panic and behaviors like that is we try to to make uh, staff support spaces as hidden as possible as discreet as possible like Disney with the tunnels hidden underneath Disney World for all the staff to move and come and go for laundry to move around, for food services to come around, for trash to come and go. We try to do that in memory support environments, too, to keep those disruptions, vendors coming in, AT&T coming in, people we don't know, people the residents don't know, from coming into the household itself to minimize those disruptions. So a lot of those services are on the outside of the building or they're hidden in corridors, back-of-house corridors and things like that. And most importantly, secured, because as you know, there are those out there that will pray on folks suffering from dementia so we want to make sure we maximize that security for them as well
0: yeah well there's that's some great advice um thanks so much grant for for sharing it with us um, you know maybe we could post um, the links to some of the um, sites that you mentioned um, underneath, uh, we'll, we'll let our community know. Um, but thanks for, so much. I mean, practical advice is key, you know, on this journey, um, and especially uh, with keeping safety first and foremost. So thank you so much for sharing um, with our community some great advice. Thank you. So if you um, wanna know more about these talks, um, of course we have talks with experts, researchers, brain talks, we uh, look from at um, people diagnosed, we look from their perspective of what it's like to live with dementia. All of these talks are always um, highlighted in a newsletter you can sign up for on beingpatient.com. Um, we also wanna hear from you, so let us know what it is you want to hear about, uh, who, you, who you want to hear about a topic, um, feel free to suggest. Um, that's why we're here. We want to bring experts to you so that you can engage um, with them directly. Thanks so much for watching. We look forward to next time. And thanks again to Grant. Thank you.